Hello and welcome to Only Fans on the Perfect Tactic Podcast, where we talk more Euro 2020 matches and less over 18 content. Today on the podcast, I'm joined by my very, very nice friend and German football expert, Armin Badel. Today we'll be breaking down the Spain vs Italy game, which will be taking place on Tuesday at 8pm. And then we'll be going through that game a little bit about tactical battles, know about some, some key kind of injury news, stuff like that. Then we'll kind of go over that. But anyways, let's get straight into this massive preview. So Tuesday, 6th of July, 8pm kickoff from Wembley Stadium around 40 minutes down the road from where I'm kind of currently located right now, so not too far, but yeah, it will be from Wembley Stadium. I think let's start with some injury news. Um, Arvin, would you like to up- update the, the list of some injury news between Spain and Italy? Yes, so um, for Spain, obviously, Sarabia, we've known as from before, he has a muscle injury, so he could be a huge doubt for the game, obviously. I don't think he's a key start for Spain because I do think they like to rotate their attackers, especially in between him and Ferran Torres, but... You know, uh, and again, as I said, Torres or Moreno could come in. Obviously, Morata's a star. I'm not too sure if Moreno's going to start ahead of him, but he's still an option, so he could come in. And for Italy, Spinazzola, obviously, he's devastated Achilles injury, and he's been one of the stars of the tournament. He's going to be out for quite a few months, which, you know, is hindering his development because he's had such good Euros so far. So, you know, not good for Juventus either. And obviously, as expected, Emerson is to come in for um, Italy. So, yeah, just apart from that, really, we're all fine, to be honest. Yeah, I think Spinazzola for Juventus, he doesn't play for Juventus, he plays for Roma. So that'll be, yeah, I think Juventus are probably upset by this anyways. Um, But yeah, we've talked about some injury news, I think, Sarabia. Um, we've seen Moreno play as almost like a false right, right forward. Is that even a word? He's played like as a false right wing at times for Spain, and that could that could happen as well. But you know, let's talk about some key battles from this game now that we can that we could talk about key players we know from the tournament. These key players that can happen. Let's talk about some tactical key battles on the pitch that we can look for. Let's start with Pedri. What's his name? Pedri Gonzalez. Pedri. Pedri against yeah, Jorginho. Pedri yeah, that's it. Uh, Pedri is almost like as you guys will know, he is a free roam kind of player in that final third. He has a license to. You know, assist right, everywhere left to right move everywhere. And Jorginho, when I've seen him play for Chelsea for Italy, he is that player who will stop the big players getting into the game. So I think this will be a massive battle. Um, Jorginho will cover those spaces. They both need to be on the A game uh, to, for Spain to win. They need Pedri to be that main plug. And Jorginho, for him to be on his A game, it causes Italy to be a world-class team. So, I mean, Arvin, what would you say about this battle? It's, it's going to be exciting to watch, isn't it? Um, I'd say it's more tactical than exciting. Obviously, people would want to hear the exciting part of it. But um, yeah, it should be. I, I guess that Jorginho has to really help Lorenzo on that uh, right-hand side because obviously, as we've watched Spain before, uh, Pedri always likes to link up with Jordi Alba. He has a very good understanding with him. And Di Lorenzo is going to have his work cut out. So I think Jorginho, he has to really come and cover that right-hand side because, you know, for, for Spain's left-hand side, they're the ones that, you know, they always try and overload because they can use the experience of Jordi Alba to get in the good crosses and stuff like that. And Pedro, who likes to, you know, have an understanding of Jordi Alba on that left-hand side as they, you know, both of them play for Barcelona, both of them know each other very well. So, yeah, that uh, Pedro against Jorginho, I don't, I don't know whether Jorginho will be sent to man-mark him. I don't think that's Jorginho's forte, but I think, you know, covering the spaces, especially... You know, Di Lorenzo's side, side on the right-hand side, that's going to be key because we know Jordi Alba likes to bombard forward and his understanding with Pedri is just incredible. <clears throat> yeah, you put it really well. Uh, Alba likes to link up with Pedri in the first game, especially when Spain, I believe they drew with Slovakia or something like that. Sweden, I think they drew with Sweden. Yeah, Pedri and, and Alba linking up. So, 
Yeah, I get what you mean. Jorginho can't let the one twos happen. He has to kind of block the inter, block the little one twos between Pedri and Alba. But I think that'll be a big battle for me. These two have been two of the standout players in the tournament. There is talk now on Twitter that Kante is not being a Ballon d'Or favourite. It's now on to Jorginho if he wins the Euros. So I don't even know at this age what the Chelsea fan base is on. But Pedri in the tournament, eighteen years of age, he's been. Yeah, this is this has been a big, big tournament for him, and this is where the big shines usually start at international tournaments and stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, it's big, it's big, and yeah, this is going to be a big battle. I think next up we talk about a attacking battle. We talked about a kind of midfield dynamism kind of battle. Let's talk about uh, Alvaro Morata versus Giorgio Chiellini. And if we talk about a few games back, I would have been saying comfortably Chiellini is going to pocket Morata. He's going to go out the game and Italy going to win comfortably, but. In that last game that Spain played, Morata was unplayable. He looked better than I've ever seen him at Chelsea, at Real Madrid, Juventus, at any of these other clubs, Atletico. And yeah, such high confidence. He looks so quick off the mark, making them little late runs. And I think Chiellini must read those late runs. You know, he is 38 years of age and this is going to be a massive battle, right? Oh yeah, definitely. I think obviously um, even Benucci on that uh, right-hand side next to Chiellini, they both played for the same team. Obviously, Morata played for Juventus, so... I like to understand that Chiellini and Bonucci both know how to nullify strengths, but obviously Morata will know where the weaknesses are, and that is one thing to do with, um, you know, especially on the pace side of things. Obviously, Morata's got the edge on both of them, I I think. But then again, those two have come up against Lukaku, basically kept him quiet for most of the game, apart from obviously Doku on that uh, left hand side, who was incredible. But um, yeah. I... Morata, obviously, you said that against obviously uh, against Croatia, he had a mad game against Switzerland as well. You know, he was always uh, picking the ball up. He was doing everything he needs to do. And, you know, you looked confident doing that. And especially like, for example, Harry came for England. He got his goal against Germany and now he's banging form. Same with Morata, to be honest. Uh, that's how I see it. But, um, yeah, Morata... <sighs> I just, I just think Kinney's gonna have the edge over this because he, his experience is just far too big for Morata, and I feel like especially handing Lukaku the way they did last game was just too much. Yeah, that's a good point. Again, you made they are teammates. I completely forgot that they were teammates. Uh, well, they are teammates right now, but I feel like Kinney that gives Kinney the edge because definitely I wouldn't say Morata's best strength is his intelligence, and Kinney is so experienced, he'll know. Where Morata's gonna go, when he's gonna go. Morata maybe don't doesn't think of if you go, I'm trying to say here, I'm trying to articulate that kind of point. But you know, I think it's gonna be a very interesting battle because if Morata starts playing well, he starts being the clockwork up front and starts linking up with everyone and scoring bangers, volleys and all that. And Chiellini, if he's on in confidence, he'll be clearing away about fifty balls a game without any hesitation or get straight back up. So yeah, that's gonna be a big battle and I mean these two battles are gonna be very interesting to watch, um and they are one to keep out for for this game. So, let's talk about some tactical aspects of this game. We've already talked about some battles. Um, I see this as Spain playing quite an expansive system. Pedri can play as almost like a left minute times. He can tuck in. Same with Koke. You can cover everywhere and move left to right vertically and move everywhere. But the Italians' midfield is so compacted. Brella, Jorginho and Verratti, they play you know, almost like a triangle. When they rotate, they move in a triangle kind of system. And, you know, the team is so compact and Signe will kind of be the width and same with Berardi and it'll just be so compact and I'm really interested to see an expansive versus a compact um are you excited for this kind of tactical battle as well oh wow 100% I think obviously Busquets, Koke and Pedri 
you know, Busquets, especially being a very technical midfielder, not in terms of obviously we know about his pace side of things, but especially the last few games, you know, he's really turned it up for Spain. And it's something I didn't expect to see. I thought Rodri was going to be their main star, but, you know, he's, Busquets has come in and he showed his experience, he showed his qualities, you know, the, um, especially very suited to Spain as well. And something that I felt Rodri was lacking a bit, you know, he doesn't really have that range of passing that Busquets has. Not to say that Rodri doesn't know how to pass. But it's just that Busquets is just 10 times better doing that, especially holding on to the ball. He knows how to do it. Again, with Pedri, you know, he's a bit more uh, athletic than uh, Busquets and they both complement each other very well. And obviously, Koke, as we know from his Atletico days, he, he can run for days, to be honest. And um, again, with Italy's midfield, I think I've been blown away by how good they've been. Obviously, Barella, Verratti, if he's if he's in there, then he will certainly, you know, provide a bit of a um, more solidness to Italy's midfield, like we saw against Belgium as well. You know, Tielemans and Witzel didn't really do nothing, to be honest. And yeah, it, it's really exciting to watch. I mean, obviously, Jorginho versus um, Busquets versus, you know, all these other midfields, Barella, Verratti, Pedri. I'd like to think that Italy's midfield is better because obviously Pedri, you know, he, even though he's been class, he's still 18 and he's still in a bit a bit inexperienced. But, you know, there's a reason he plays for Barcelona. So I think it's it's really tough to call this one. But judging off of previous performances, I'd have to say Italy's midfield has looked far more impressive to me. I'd feel like um, all of them have been more compact and have a better understanding of each other. But I think also, you know, Spain's midfield over the coming few, uh, you know, the last few games has been good. But I would say Spain do leave a lot of spaces within the midfield because sometimes when you get past Busquets, you know, there's really much, there isn't really uh, many players that can catch up behind you. So, you know, for example, Switzerland, when they were in the attack, it was quite easy to get past Busquets, which I think would be one of their flaws, especially if, if Pau Torres starts for some reason. I, I don't mm. even know, but if he starts, then they're done. That's all I can say. Yeah, hopefully uh, Power Torres will start. Another thing about the fullbacks maybe is that uh, Albert and Aspilicueta like to overlap. But if you've seen the way Italy play, usually their left back kind of goes forward and Di Lorenzo kind of makes it a three. And that's kind of different. It's, it's amazing to think the 4-2-3 system has been adapted in so many different ways. The front three as well, I think it's completely different. You have three players who are so good in Italy's front three and, and Spain maybe play a little bit differently. So yeah, I, I just really, yeah, it's going to be a massive tactical battle and we can talk about all of that. But let's kind of talk about Luis Enrique versus Mancini. In my eyes, two of the best managers at the tournament, apart from Gareth Southgate. Obviously, I'm just joking, but Mancini and Enrique. This is a battle I wanted to watch um, before the tournament. They're both title-winning managers. They've both done mad stuff at the clubs they've coached at. Mancini got a Man City team their first ever title, and Enrique won back-to-back -back titles with Barcelona in the Champions League. So, yeah, both and, very, very experienced. Exactly, and these are two of the best managers in the tournament. So, I mean, a little bit less on the kind of systems, Owen, but this is going to be a battle to really make a mouth water, isn't it? Mancini versus Enrique. Oh, definitely. I think, you know, Luis Enrique, who's um, been a bit of a weird one, to be honest. I wouldn't say he's a complete ticky-tacker, you know, maestro, like, for example, you know, other Spain managers, been like Pep Guardiola, for example, he isn't really such a detail freak in that um, department. But obviously, Enrique, with his, you know, selections as well, he has been a bit, you know, he has been called into question, obviously. He hasn't taken any Real Madrid players. He didn't take Iago Aspas after the season he's had. And, you know, he was sort of left with an attack from especially the first two games of the tournament where we looked at and thought, well, do they have the capabilities of scoring any goals? Because they didn't really look convincing to me going forward. And they weren't really exactly, you know terrifically compact to the back and you know that was the things that Enrique had to overcome which is 
quite difficult because, you know, off the back of two, the first two games, they got two draws, which wasn't, you know, that that bad. But, you know, they just, they didn't really look clicking to me. And now they do, and they've scored, what's it? Um, they scored a goal, obviously, against Switzerland. But, you know, before that, they scored five goals in, in two games, well, 10 goals in between two games between mm. Slovakia and Croatia. And Croatia, who have an excellent midfield, and they just completely dominate them. So the only thing I would say about uh, Enrique is obviously he's got... I would say he's done well to get to the stage with the players he's selected because obviously we know from before he was an under-21 Spain coach. So players he's picked like Olmo, like um, or some other players, Brian Torres, Pedri, you know, all these players, you know, they played for Enrique before when Spain won their under-21s um, Euros, I believe they beat Germany. So, yeah, from Mancini's point of view as well, you know, he, we already know what he's capable of. You know, we've seen that he has such a good understanding between all of his players. The players that have to come in have to do the job. We saw that in the Wales game, even though they didn't look that impressive, but that was essentially a B team and they still won. And they still, you know, need to do a job. I expect Emerson to do the exact same things that Spinazzola does. Maybe not in a more quality-based way, but <laughs> yeah, to be honest, I think, you know, uh, um, Mancini still trusts his team. So I think Emerson coming in, I don't think he'll have a terrible game. So, yeah. The tactical battle is going to be interesting, but I think it's fair to say the Italian manager Mancini has a much better bond with his team than yeah. than Luis Enrique. I think that is fair to say. Obviously, Enrique has had, I think, not that long to work with the Spain team, but since Italy didn't qualify for the World Cup, they brought in Mancini, so he's had three plus years to to build with these players. So that could be a big effect. I think if Mancini wins, you shouldn't be surprised. If Enrique wins, it's going to be a very very big triumph for him. But yeah, that's going to be a massive, massive battle to watch. And I think it's fair to move on to our score prediction now. I did kind of predict that Italy, not to gas myself out there, I did predict that Italy were going to get quite far in this tournament in the first kind of game week. And, you know, I think Italy will win this comfortably, me personally, but I'll get your take on this one first, um, Arvind. Uh, see, I just think Spain are very unpredictable in the way they do things because we saw that those two games against, obviously, the first two games that they had, where they were just dull as anything. They were literally, it was literally like sleeping football. Every time I was watching them, it was literally like watching England in the group stages. It would just put me to sleep each time. And you actually tweeted wow, out, wow. you said, uh, thanks to Spain, they did help with my sleep or something like they that. They did actually, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, and then, you know, obviously against Slovakia, Croatia, they go on to, you know, perform madly, score loads of goals, be very free-flowing. But I do feel like sometimes they do try to, emulate and copy the fact of you know what Spain did between that 2008-2012 era which I don't think any any nation or any sort of club team manager could ever emulate because that Spain team could just walk in at any stage so I think Enrique he is building something here it, I don't I don't I think this is one step too far for him so I am going to go Mancini because I've or I'm going to go over Italy sorry not Mancini because um they just have a far better understanding and you can you can see that you know, that team that Mancini puts out there, that's their best team. You know, they all know their systems. Whereas for Enrique, I feel like, you know, Morata, Moreno, whoever puts in there, I don't I don't trust. I, me personally, I wouldn't trust them to, you know, take the game by scruff and they can score loads of every chance that they get. So, um, yeah, I'd, I'd have to say maybe like a... A three one or two 0 to Italy. I I don't expect Spain. I could. I don't. No, I don't expect Spain to score. So maybe like a two 0 or something like that. Yeah, you put it perfectly again. But I think I'd have to make your points in that. Maybe um, I don't expect Italy to concede in this game. I just don't. Mm. I mean, we've talked about some of these keepouts. I just think it will be a clean sheet to Italy. 
And yeah, like you said, they know the system too well. Spain, defensively, the system is not there. We can we can understand that. Yeah. But think about Italy, they're so good defensively, so good in the midfield, so good, actually not that good going forward, but still a decent enough amount to win the tournament. And yeah, the balance for me in Italy is just better in every department. Defensively, Spain are, with Pau Torres, you know, I made too many jokes about him being, you know, what it was, back again, yeah, back, well, I know where that was, but, you know, I just don't back Spain defensively. That's what I'm trying to say. Eric Garcia is not a, a title winning defender, unfortunately, for me. And yeah, so I'm going to go with, um, I'm going to go with the 2-0 win to Italy or 3-0. I think I'll go with the 2-0. With goals, a penalty from Jorginho. I, I just think Spain will concede a penalty. Laporte will just, I don't even know, go on a mad one. And I also predict the big man himself, Emerson, to get a goal. I've actually gone with the two Chelsea players. I just remembered I've gone with the two Chelsea players, but, you know, they're, they're both my fantasy teams. So I think that's the bias, but, you know, I do predict Emerson to score and Jorginho to score. And yeah, I think it'll be 2-0 routine win. I wouldn't be surprised if it's 3-4-0, to be honest. And I don't know, it says my internet is unstable. I don't know, but um, yeah, that's what I predict. But anyways, guys, um, we've kind of talked about this game quite a lot. And it's going to be a blockbuster game, you know, a little bit of a taste of what England versus Denmark before the nation erupts into bleachers and everything like that, when we will beat Denmark. But anyways, guys, I'm going to rack up, rack up on these racks. I'm going to wrap up this podcast now. Have a great day, and we'll see you at 9am tomorrow, UK time.